good stuff. Well, I'm uh, I'm Stu, so I am. Um, Hi, Stu. Um, I've been a youth pastor for many, many years. I'll kind of unpack that a little bit. But we are from Cincinnati. This is my lovely wife, Mary. And we are from the Cincinnati area. Uh, Tri-County Assembly of God is where we uh, reside uh, currently. But I just want to get to know the room a little bit. If that's cool with you guys, can we get to know the room a little bit? Um, just say your name and, and uh, where you're currently at. If you're a youth pastor or what your position is or a volunteer, whatever it is that you are. So we'll start on this side of the room. We'll just kind of work our way around. Hi, I'm Ashley. I'm the youth leader at our Church in Minerva. Oh, okay, very good. Well, welcome. Okay, Amesburg, come on in. Perfect timing. Just getting to know the room a little bit. So, want to know who you are and uh, where you're from and, and what your current position is, if you're a volunteer, youth pastor, all that kind of good stuff. So, we'll go in the back right over here. My name's Brittany, and I go to my first assembly of God as well. Oh, do you guys know each other? Very. <laughs> Close. Oh, very good. Nice. Um, I'm Pedro, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, I'm Emmanuel, something like that, and I am a production leader and leader. Right on. Good. I'll go back over here. Um, I'm Sarah, I go to the first assembly, and I am the youth pastor. Nice. Very good. All right. We'll go down front here, James. Yep. James, um, the youth pastor at Painesville Assembly again. Painesville. How long have you been there for, James? Uh, it'll be five years in June. Okay. A long time. It's a long time. Good. Uh, I'm Joe Jane. I'm from Ravenna, Son of God, and the youth pastor over there. Right on. I'm Taylor. I also go to Painesville, Son of God, the <gasps> youth leader. Do you guys know each other? Yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. Good thing you said yes. <laughs> I'm writing a youth pastor at New uh, Hope in Lancaster. Nice. How long have you been there for? Uh, was, I've been at the church since 2014. Uh, took over the youth in January 2016. So wow. Five years. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Aaron Pippen. Uh, I'm at uh, Journey Church in Fremont, uh, Youth and Associate. Brand spanking new. Never been to the Ohio District before, so welcome. I just graduated. <clears throat> just graduated. <laughs> um, well, like I said, my name's Stu. Um, a little bit about myself, um, I will start really young. So I was born a baby. I was, I was very, I, was, I wasn't actually tiny. I was, I was like a fire hydrant when I, when I came out. I was like nine pounds something. But uh, I, I grew up uh, in a great home. Uh, I have loving parents that still love each other today, and they still kiss each other, and it's disgusting, it's weird, it's gross, but I do the same thing to my wife as well and in front of my kids, and it's wonderful. Uh, come on in. Um, <clears throat> but so great family, great Christian home, uh, great values, all those things. Um, the one thing that I would say I probably lacked growing up in my walk with, uh, with Christ is the, the um, environment to ask questions. So I felt like I didn't really have an environment where I could not necessarily challenge because I was pretty young at that age, but like just simple questions. You know, um, I remember asking my, my parents one day, uh, on our way to church, I was like, what if we, what if we got it wrong? I was probably like eight, 
seven or eight years old at the time. I was like, what if we got it wrong? Like, what if, what if heaven is actually hell, and what if hell is actually heaven? And that got shut down pretty quick. And, uh, and then from then on, uh, something kind of shifted in me. I was like, oh, this is not really that safe of an environment to ask like, questions. And so I kind of grew up in that way. And it wasn't really out of, of a dictatorship. My parents are, again, super loving. Uh, it wasn't out of a dictatorship. I think it was more based out of a fear, like they didn't know how to answer those questions. You know what I mean? So I think I think a lot of us kind of have those, like uh, with uh, with youth ministry, like how we're going to answer some of these questions. And and every generation that comes up with youth, the questions get deeper and heavier all the time. And so your 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 fear kind of begins to rise a little bit. And so I'm going to be talking. Uh, today about um, about that a little bit, about like finding our why, like why do we get into youth ministry, why do we put so much time and energy into, into youth ministry, if we're volunteering, we're not getting paid, like wh- what is our why, let's find our why and let's go from there, so um, how did I get into ministry, I got into ministry uh, actually th- uh, because of a girl, um, and why a lot of guys come to youth group in the first place, right, so uh, my girlfriend at the time went out to a master's commission, don't know if you're a uh, super uh, familiar with Master's Commission, but it's kind of like a hands-on Bible college. Stop smirking. It's kind of like a hands-on Bible <laughs> Bible college. Uh, and so we've, Master's Commission focuses a lot on kind of the behind the scenes of, of, uh, of ministry, kind of like the dirty work, if you will. And she went out to uh, California to do her Master's Commission out there. And I was like, well, if I'm going to marry this girl, then I probably need to do the same. And so I went to Master's Commission there in Cincinnati um, <clears throat> at the church that I'm actually currently at now. It was, thank goodness, there was my, I, I met my lovely wife. That is not the girl that I went to Master's Commission for. Uh, Jesus had something even better in store for me. Um, but he, he kind of began to work on my heart in ministry. And so I went to Master's Commission and went three years. Then I eventually came on staff in 2005 at that church. Eventually took over the Master's Commission. Um, met my lovely wife in 2007. Took over the youth ministry in 2009. So we were doing uh, the youth ministry. I'm sorry, 2000, we got married in 2009. That's the right timeline. Got married in 2009. Took over the youth ministry in 2010. And then we were doing uh, Master's Commission and youth ministry as well. Um, so we've been with the, with the youth ministry uh, since uh, December 15th, 2010 was our very first Wednesday night with the youth. Uh, December 16th of 2020 was our kind of our last hurrah, if you will, with the youth. We have now since transitioned out of youth ministry. Um, this past week, actually, we, uh, we hired a brand new youth pastor uh, at our church, and it's been kind of a... Uh, I don't know if it's going to be an interesting dynamic or not. We're going to find out. But um, not many times do you get a stay at the church that you were youth pastor at. So I transitioned to a different role. Now I'm a Connections pastor uh, at our church. And, uh, and so, uh, so we're kind of navigating through that. But um, <clears throat> this was his first week as the youth pastor at our church. And so a new era has... has uh, has turned and it's exciting and we got a new uh, lead pastor. We've only had two pastors um, in the entirety existence of our um, church since 1963. There's only been two pastors and it's all been family. Um, the dad that started it and then the son that took it over. And now we have a new pastor that's not family related at all. So that was eight months ago. So there's been a lot of transition. So youth pastors, I know a lot about uh, youth pastors, and I, man, I adore you guys, and so I'm super honored to, to speak 
at this. Um, but a lot of youth pastors aren't a Rich Ellis. And you're like, who's Rich Ellis? Rich Ellis was my youth pastor back in the day when I was younger. And he was actually a youth pastor before uh, I was in youth ministry. And he is still a youth pastor today. So usually you don't come along youth pastors that are basically that's their life, right? Like, I mean, they have just been youth pastors their entire life. <clears throat> and he is one of my all-time heroes. But from the outside, being a youth pastor looks relatively easy, right? Like, if you weren't a youth pastor, most people would say, oh, you're... Youth pastor is relatively easy, right? Like, you're going to have fun all day. And you know what? If, if, people, uh, if people look at you and say that, that what you do is easy, good on you. Because it's super hard to make something look easy, right? And that can go for any line of work. If you're, if you're doing your job to the fullest and you're making it look easy, man, good on you. Um, I'm a huge sports guy. Love sports, um, but now that I'm getting older, when I go play sports, I'm like, oh boy, this is a lot harder than it used to be. And like, then you have like these LeBron James who are still playing in their late 30s and, and making it look so easy. So it's pretty cool that when you actually go do something and, uh, and you're like, wow, that actually is really hard, it, you, you have a different type of respect uh, for that individual. So. Let's jump into this. Um, youth pastors, man, they are, whew, youth pastors are like, and youth volunteers and youth sponsors, I'm just going to kind of use youth pastor as, um, as the uh, theme here, but you guys are like a different animal, right? I mean, like, more so than any other uh, pastor on staff. Like, there is no off button. There is no clock out meter for youth pastors, right? Like, you spend a lot of late nights and a lot of early mornings uh, with teenagers, with even families of those teenagers, uh, whether it be like lock-ins, and then you have to be up the next morning with the rest of the staff doing a staff project or a staff meeting or whatever the case may be. Like, there is a lot that goes into being youth pastor that, just doesn't get or seem to be um, that goes overlooked. Um, <clears throat> I remember uh, our retreats, we always did a fall retreat. And our fall retreats would start on a Friday right after school. They would come, get dropped off, and we would, and we would head out. And we had to be back for a Sunday morning service. So our retreats started on Friday at 4, whatever it was, and they ended on Sunday morning at 6. So, And you didn't get a whole lot of sleep in between those times on Friday night and Saturday night. And then you had to function as an adult on, on Sunday morning. And you're like, I just, and all my... All the, all the youth would always fall asleep in the service. Like, why do we have to come back? And I'm like, guys, listen, this is, this is and you, you give your best pep talk and all those types of things, right? But, but it's hard, right? So, so I want to take this short amount of time that I have with you guys, uh, and I want to try to bring clarity to your purpose and maybe, maybe just find, like, maybe the why and what you do and why you put so much energy, thoughts, tears, sometimes blood into what you do. Because let's be real, like it's, you can easily get lost in the mix of it. Like your why can easily get lost in what you do on a daily basis and the grind of being a youth pastor. So if this is you, if this is, if you can identify in this right now, currently know that you're not alone. Uh, and I'm pretty sure everyone has probably uh, experienced that at one point or another if you've been uh, involved with youth for a while or even just a little bit.
But, okay, so Jesus, um, he's obviously the perfect example of knowing his purpose, right? Like he knew his purpose. He knew and he was willing to lay his life down for that purpose, right? Because Easter is coming up, it's right around the corner, we're all gearing up towards that. But know this, that Jesus didn't just die on the cross for you, he died on the cross as you, right? So he took all that ugliness, he took all those shortcomings, all those mind games, all that pride that's rightfully and belongs to us, and he identified and he put it on his shoulders and said, I will take that burden. So he didn't just die for you, he died as you. He took on everything, all the ugliness, all the shortcomings, everything, mind games, all yours. <clears throat> and he said, I'll take those, and I'll nail it to the cross. So, before we go any further, I think it's appropriate um, for us just to pray. Let's just pray together, and, uh, and then we'll kind of get into some illustrations and some other stuff, okay? Heavenly Father, you are a good, good Father. I pray that your presence comes down on this place. I pray that, that the words that are spoken, that they, lo- that they lay <clears throat> on good and harvest ground, producing 40, 60, and 100-fold in each and every one of our lives. Lord, you are deserving of all of our energy. You are deserving of all of our anguish. You are deserving of everything. God, and we lay at the feet of the cross. Thank you. Thank you for taking it on for us. We love you. We praise you. Amen. All right. So, I got a couple cups here. Um, I'm going to ask you to hold one of them for me, please. Thank you, baby. Um, So, a uh, a master martial artist went up to Bruce Lee once, right? And he said, hey, Bruce. They must have been close. I have no idea. (laughs) Bruce. I read this story on the internet, so this could be completely false. But I'm using it, I'm taking it, I'm writing with it, right? Everything's, everything's true on, on Google, right? I've heard that somewhere. Uh, but he said, hey, Bruce, you Bruce, tell me, teach me everything you know about martial arts. And Bruce replied, he goes, okay, I'll do that. So this cup, and he took two cups, and he poured water in them, and he said, One cup represents everything that you know about martial arts. Everything you know about martial arts. The other cup, you can hold it, I don't want it. I'm not Bruce, I don't don't pretend to be. She's Bruce Lee when it comes to our kids. We have three kids, by the way, we love them. Um, I meant to tell you that in my opening thing, but twin boys that are nine, about to be nine in April, and a baby girl that's six, I'm going to move on. (laughs) I almost forgot the birthday. Uh, but the, and then Bruce said, and the other cup, he poured it in the other cup and said, this is everything that I know about martial arts. So you want to know everything I know about martial arts, first you've got to take your cup and you've got to pour it out so he can then pour in what he knows about martial arts. So emptying your cup, right? So the greatest, thank you, baby. <clears throat> the greatest yearning of the human heart is to know that there is a purpose for your life. The greatest yearning that you have for your students is to know and teach them that they have a purpose for their life, right? Like that, in essence, that can ride a long ways. Like that, that can be your why. Man, you have a purpose for your life. And we try to find purpose in all kinds of things, right? It could be relationships, careers, you name it. We try to find purpose in that, right? But Paul tells us the true purpose of life, the only one that can bring the fulfillment of which our hearts to long for is to know who Jesus Christ 
is. And you know this. Come on, guys. Like, we, we teach this to our students, right? Like, we teach them, hey, if you want to try to fill that God-sized hole in your heart, good luck. Good luck trying to fill it with anything else besides the Word of God. Good luck trying to fill it with, with a, without having a relationship with Jesus. Good luck because it always come up short, right? Like, we know that. We teach that, right? <clears throat> we teach it. So, uh, Philippians 3.10 says this that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him. Our youth ministry is called Pulse. I don't know what's going to be called here in the coming days, but, but we, we decided to go with Pulse. And it's loosely based off of this scripture. And our tagline was, for your heart to beat more and more like God. For us to identify, for us to beat more and more like God. How does God view the world? How does God view you? How does, what does he say about this social injustice? What does he say about this? How does he say to treat one another? All those things. Like, how do our hearts beat more and more like Christ? So, Mary and I told our students that if you want your heart to beat more and more like him, then you have to empty your cup out. You have to say, here we go. I'm emptying it out. I'm coming to you with an empty cup. Fill me up with your knowledge, Christ. Fill me up with what you have inside of me, right? You want to find God's purpose for youth ministry? Then stop showing off and start showing up with an empty cup. Stop it. Stop showing off and just show up. Just show up with an empty cup. Show up to meet God. Show up and do the basics. Do the basics. Show up with an empty cup. God needs another replica of a youth ministry as much as we need another TikTok video. TikTok video is cool. Like, I mean, you just keep getting fed and fed and fed, right? But we don't need another TikTok video, right? We, what we need is something a little bit more substantial, something more internal, something that is lasting. So, who says that the latest and greatest is, is what your youth ministry needs? Who says that? Right? I don't know. I, I, I kind of want to combat that. Like, I've been in youth ministry for 10 years. Like, I don't, I mean, I've had the latest and greatest, and they faded. I know what the students actually want, and I know what the students actually need, yeah. right? Like, there's, there's a huge difference. There's a, there's a huge difference. Like, what they need is for you to show up with an empty cup to them and say, hey, I'm, I'm coming into this, this equation. Hey, I know that, you're, that you, you try to t- attempt suicide. Hey, let's, I'm not going to come in with any preconceived ideas. I'm coming in with an empty cup. Talk to me. Talk to me. Show up with an empty cup. Just show up. Just show up. You don't, you don't need the latest and greatest lights and, and video. And those things are cool. And those things are awesome. And those things help your youth ministry. And I get it. Um, <clears throat> but what they need, what they need is a youth pastor that loves Jesus and that shows up every day in, at Jesus' feet with an empty cup and says, Jesus, fill me up. Fill me up so I can fill others up. So this spills over and, and, it, and it affects other people's lives. I love this quote. I don't know who wrote it, but I love it. It says, you were born original, don't die a copy. Like, and translate that to your own youth ministry. Your youth ministry is an original. God has something specific for your youth ministry, for your students, that it does with the youth ministry down the street. Or the youth ministry, what's going on crazy awesome over here at this conference that I went to. Right, like, Man, they, they, God has something specific for your students. All right, so you have to know one thing. Um, as, I'm, as I'm preaching here, and, and uh, 
didn't really know what to expect here, so, so preaching is what you're getting. But, um, <clears throat> but like, these are all lessons that I've learned throughout the way. So I'm not just preaching at you, I'm, I'm preaching with you. Like, these are things that I have, I have been smacked upside the head before, you know, and said, oh, okay, that's what you mean by that. So I'm just kind of taking you through a little bit of what, uh, what Mary and I have um, dialogued and with God about and with each other about and, uh, and what we have seen along the way. So we'll have time for Q&A at the end. But. All right, so when I started out, I know one lick about youth ministry. Like, I was a youth sponsor. I was a youth volunteer. I was in the commission, so we did things with the youth and all those things. But I had no idea what youth ministry entailed. But what I, what I didn't know and became quickly evident is the responsibility that's now on your shoulders with these students and with these lives that are looking to you and that parents are looking to you. Like, there's a huge responsibility, whether you are a volunteer, a sponsor, or a paid staff member with youth, like, there's a huge responsibility on that. And all through the years of failing and experiencing some wins and then failing some more, I've come to learn that I'm not cool. And I'm totally okay with that. Like, I'm the loud guy at the conferences. I'm the guy that, that makes a fool of myself because I love it. Um, and, and the students look at me and they film me and they, and they do all those things. And, I, and that's fine with me. I'm, I'm not cool and I embrace it. And I, I try to be that cool guy. Like, the first part, I'm like, this is, I'm just falling up short. I'm not who I am. And so what we started to do, Mary and I, <clears throat> we just kind of started leaning into our strength. Uh, excuse me, leaning into our strength. <laughs> leaning into our strengths there it is um, we were just like Rich Ellis um, my youth pastor from, from many years ago we're really good at just making people feel like family like, and not just like a part of our family like they're, they're with our kids and they get our kids don't cry when they go to another, another adult because they're, we just passed our kids around. Like, we, just, we allowed them into our family, but not our tangible family, but our, our heavenly family, our godly family. So we leaned into that. And so uh, Pulse became a place that they knew they weren't coming and, and getting the latest and greatest light show or the latest uh, video or whatever. But they knew that they're coming and bringing their friends to a place like, hey, you can feel comfortable here. You know what I mean? I love when we walked in here. It says, uh, uh, welcome to the family. Is that what it says? Welcome to the family. I think that's so, I just, I resonate with that. So lean into your strength. So find out what your strength is, right? And lean into that. And staying focused, man, staying focused is so important. Staying focused is so important. You have to empty your cup. And staying focused is not easy. Guys, it is not just a one and done accomplishment here, right? You stay focused one time. And here's what I mean by this, and I feel like we're missing this so much. Um, and certainly, when I say we, I include myself in that. Uh, but we focus so much on the big moments in youth ministry, right? We focus on the altar calls. We focus on the retreats. We focus on the outreaches. We focus on the teachings and the worship sets. We focus, and all those things are incredible, and they're life-changing, and they have its place. But I, say, I think we focus so much on those things that we're missing the smaller, bigger picture. And here's what I mean by that. When Jesus called his disciples, he said, come follow me. It didn't stop there, right? Like that was their altar call, right? It didn't stop there. Even when Jesus conquered death, he came back to them and said, go and what? 
make disciples, right? It still didn't stop there. Like, it still didn't stop. Right, so it's this ongoing process. It's this day in and day out of going and filling up your cup. It's this day in and day out and saying, here I am, Lord, how can you use me today? How can I impact a student's life today? A student just got saved last night on Wednesday night. Awesome. What's next for him? What's next for her? Right, it doesn't stop. That's a starting line. That's not the finish line. Right, now, it's not just wait for heaven at this point. It's how can we bring heaven to this side of earth? How can we bring heaven down to earth where we live each and every day? How can we do that? As youth pastors, man, you guys have an intense and ongoing job. The reason why we were in youth ministry for 10 years is because we never lost a heart for the students. Like we knew that we needed to keep impacting these students' lives. We need to keep impacting these students' lives day in and day out. Students willingly giving their lives over to Jesus is awesome, but there's so much more. There's so much more to their walk. Take them deeper. Teach them practically. Teach them practically how to, uh, how to take their faith into their every day. Right? It doesn't just stop on Wednesday night or Sunday, or Sunday morning or whatever it is. Show them how their lives actually collide with Scripture. How do they resonate their life with this? Because they look at this and they see old. Right? It's not old. It was written a long time ago, but it's not old. We'll get into that in a second. We know that the Bible is not only real, but it's absolute truth, right? Like, I think, I think that's a given. Like, we know that the Bible is not only real, it's not made up, but it's also absolute truth. But I feel a lot of times, this is where I feel like we miss it, we stop there. That it, oh yeah, it's real, and it's absolute truth. The end. <clears throat> Man, the Bible is so much more than that. The chapters aren't finished yet in the Bible. Right? Yo, guys, like, we're, we're living the Bible right now. We're living the Bible right now. It's this living, it's this breathing, it's this continuous beautiful story that we find ourselves in. It it, it didn't just happen, it's happening. And we are in the happening. So how do we get our students to feel like their lives are being collided with this? Because it is, whether they know it or not. And it's our job to teach them that. How does your job collide, or how does your life collide with this. Guys, we are, we are contributors to the Bible. We're not just consumers of the Bible. So why is it so hard to stay focused on something so basic? Because it's upside down, right? This thing is pulsating at a different beat than the world beats, right? So I did that with pulsating. You're welcome. But it, it, this, is, this is contrary to how the world operates and works, right? So, so literally, we're following a book that we have to empty our cup out every day or we're going to get lost in the world, right? Like, we have to do it because we, this is upside down. This is backwards. This is not normal. Um, Mary and I have this... Uh, do you guys know what an inverted table is? Have you guys ever heard of an inverted table? Or you, maybe, you have, maybe you know what it is, but you have never heard of an inverted table. It's where you lock your uh, ankles in, and then you whoop, 
and you go all the way back, right? And so you're like, your head's by the floor and your feet are up by the ceiling, right? And it's supposed to help alleviate some pain. And Well, we have one at our house. Um, as we're getting older, we're like, we should probably invest in this thing. <laughs> so, so I use it after every, every one of my workouts. So you know, once a month, I'm diligent, and I get on. <laughs> I will do it. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I mainly use it uh, to prevent back injuries and such like that. So, but when I'm upside down, it is so incredibly hard when I first turn upside down to focus. Right? It's so hard. Have you ever tried focusing upside down? It's, it's really hard. Right? Um, I watch, uh, Mary hates it, but I, I love First Take with Stephen A. Smith. Love it. I don't know why. Stephen A. Smith, I just, I resonate with the dude. I love it. But anyway, um, but it's so hard, like, when I first turn upside down to, to focus on the TV watching Stephen A. Smith on first day, go upside down. It's really hard. But once I'm there for a while, it starts to feel a little bit normal. Like, you know it's not, but you, but you know it's the right thing to do. Right? So same is true with following Jesus, right? Mentally stay focused. Same is true with discipling a student. Stay focused. Same is true with preparing a teaching. Same is true when leading your life. It doesn't look normal because you're upside down. But stay focused. Stay focused. And when you focus on something that is lasting, something that is firm, something that is eternal, your focus shifts off the things of this world and what truly matters comes into focus. So I had... um, uh, a devastating uh, it was just it was I don't know how else to put it but just tragic experience my last week as a youth pastor uh, technically my last week was last was about a week and a half ago uh, before the youth pastor came in and um, and one of our students that we know and love she's 16 and her mom um, uh, had a couple other kids later off and later on in life so she has a brother that's two years old, and she has another sister that's six months old. And that six-month-old passed away of SIDS. It was, my 10 years of youth ministry, it was the hardest thing I had to do. And to sit there, having kids yourself, and looking at a little casket. I've never seen a, a baby in a casket before, and I got my chance to do it. <clears throat> and I was not ready. Um, it was so difficult and there's zero words that you can say to Jada. That was her name, or Shannon, the mother. There's, there's no words that you, can, that you can say to them. But you showed up. But you showed up. And that's, that's, what, that's what she needed. She needed Mary and I there to show up. To show up. Empty your cup out and show up. All right, so we're going to wrap things up here uh, in the next two hours or so, and then we'll and then I'll let you guys go. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> welcome to my youth group. They're like, seriously, dude, stop talking. We got it. Empty your cup. Let's move on. Let's go play Xbox. We get it. Um, I want to look at Romans chapter one, verse sixteen, and this uh, this scripture is man. It just speaks so loudly to me. Um, and we're going to dive into this just a little bit, not unpack it all the way. Because Nate only gave me an hour. Um, 45 minutes, actually. 
<laughs> but it says this, uh, Romans 1, chapter, six, or chapter 1, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. <laughs> and then it goes on to say, First to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. This verse is often referred to as a central theme of the book of Romans. So this is actually the heart of Romans. So this is where everything kind of like bursts out of. So you want to, we're going to get into the why, and this is the crux of it all. So <clears throat> this is kind of like the heart of Romans and the heart of Paul and what he's spilling out and how, his, how he lived his life. Because just like Jesus, he knew his purpose. <clears throat> this is the heart. Paul clearly says in this verse, that the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. It is the power of God that brings everyone salvation to believe. So, in essence, God, uh, Paul is saying the gospel is what? Power. This right here is power. It's not old. It is old. We get that. But it, it doesn't stop at being old. This thing has power. It's not this lifeless object that we just pass off and say, here's a free Bible, go dive into it. Right? It's not, it's, that's not, this thing is moving. This thing is pulsating. This thing is, has a driving entity. Entity, what is that word? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Entity. A force unto itself. Right? The gospel is literally the power of God. That's what this is. It's literally the power of God. I put... I, I didn't put any energy into this thing. None. God did it. Right? And if it's his power, it is infinitely powerful. Which means it is making it the most powerful, the mightiest thing on this planet. Right? So it's sufficient for anything that God intends it for. Paul, as you know, killed Christians. And he was extremely brilliant and a bright guy. Right? And yet this still changed him. So, the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation. This message of the New Testament is that. The gospel does it. Christ does it. God does it. The gospel of the power... I'm sorry. The gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, is what Paul says. So surely this is like where you and I kind of get involved as youth pastors, as youth sponsors, youth volunteers. Like this, surely this is like where we where we dive in, right? Our job as youth pastors is to get people to believe, and then this thing will do its work, right? Just get them to believe, and this will do its work. At least that's what I thought. And, and the more that I thought about it, the more that actually doesn't make any kind of sense. Only a supernatural power, the power of God, who dispose, uh, could dispose someone to believe. And that is why Paul is saying what this is, what the gospel is. I was so focused on bringing people to faith um, in the gospel that I actually didn't see my lack of faith in the gospel. I now see that the gospel did the work to save people. Right? It was plenty strong enough without my help. I thought my why in youth ministry was to get students saved. I had family members and friends that said, how many people, are you, or do you save anybody lately? I, I don't know why that rubbed me the wrong way, but now I understand why. That's never my job. Right? Like, I, I thought my why was to, was to bring 
uh, or to, I'm sorry, uh, to get students saved, but my why is actually just to bring God's word to them. That's why we did what we did for 10 years. Just to bring God's word to them. That was our job. Did you ever notice that Paul often called himself a servant of the gospel? He, he did that quite often. And oddly enough, and I didn't remember this, but going back, uh, um, I had the honor of, of speaking at, at youth one last time on St. Patrick's Day. And uh, um, um, I looked back on my very first teaching that I did on December 15th of 2010. And it was about servanthood. I was like, huh, that's cool. God, or I'm sorry, Paul often called himself a servant of the gospel. He understood that his job to serve the gospel was a lot like a waiter at a restaurant. You just bring the food to the table and let this do the work. Just bring it. Just bring the meal. Just bring the gospel to the table. So I want us to look again at Romans 1.16. He said, he also said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. This was super interesting to me. A lot of these uh, words just started uh, making sense and snapping into place. He wasn't ashamed of the gospel. I remember back in Master's Commission, and even now, like, um, I'm not any better now, but back in Master's Commission, we had to do these... Uh, um, street witnessing is what it was called. Yeah, the street witness. So you had to go up to people you didn't even know. Go up to them, say, hey, hey, my man, God loves you. Peace out, Girl Scout. Like, that's what you had to do. And, and obviously, that's really difficult, you know? I mean, like, I was nervous, right? This little brat going up to someone and said, hey, God, God saves you. God loves you. He'll save you. Any questions? I can't answer them. You know, you know, like, like it was nerve-wracking, right? And, and so like, I thought like I was going to get punched, or I thought I was going to get the finger, or I thought I was going to get like a drink spilled on me, or whatever it was, right? But, but Paul, Paul of anyone knew what it was like to be mocked and to be ostracized, right, by the gospel. And I thought this, this was like what he was talking about. Like, oh, this is, must be clearly what you're talking about, Paul, is street witnessing. Yeah, it's tough. I get you. I feel you. And I think there's something to do with it, like the social shame has something to do with what he's talking about. But I think he was talking about something more. He said that he was not ashamed because it is the power of God that brings salvation. That's why he wasn't ashamed. Why was I ashamed? Because I didn't believe that this thing had power of salvation. I didn't believe it. So that must mean that Paul would have been ashamed of the gospel if it lacked power, if it did not work, right? He would be ashamed of it. And that in turn implied that if Paul re uh, relied on some other power to save people, that would have proven that he was ashamed of the gospel. So once we understand this, then everything about Paul's life will then snap into place. This is why he fought so fiercely uh, against requiring Gentiles to be circumcised. Why? Because that requirement implied that the gospel did not work. That is why he did not come to Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 2.1 with eloquence and human wisdom. Because that would imply that the gospel did not work. That is why he considered his birth status garbage in Philippians 3.8. Because relying on his birth status would imply that the gospel did not work. That's why he did it. He wasn't ashamed of the gospel because he knew this thing worked. That there's power in this. Paul went out of his way to reject anything that might give a person reason to think that the gospel was not all-powerful to save. 
everything he could. To do so otherwise would betray the lack of faith in the gospel's power. It would show that he was ashamed of the gospel and embarrassed by its insufficiency. The gospel, this life-giving, life-breathing, has more power than your charisma. It has more power than your relevancy. It has more power than your traditions and your rules and your birthright. It has more power than any of those things. You guys, we're Assemblies of God. And I can't be more proud to be an Assemblies assembly of God pastor. We are leading the way in missions. We are leading the way in children's uh, programs and ministries and, and youth ministries and programs. We are leading the way. We're also leading the way in 20-somethings never returning to Christ. This is what I meant when I said earlier that you youth pastors and sponsors and volunteers have an ongoing and intense job. It is ongoing. God has called you to fulfill his purpose. These students desperately need to feel how powerful his word is. Because this is power. And this is relevant. And this is happening right here and right now. So... I'll leave you with this. Um, like I said before, I'm a huge sports guy. I love sports. Um, and when Kobe Bryant passed away a year and a few, a few odd months ago, uh, you, you kind of start, started to hear all these stories about Kobe surfacing and people reminiscing about Kobe. And, uh, and I believe it was Michael Wilbon who said this. Uh, but he was interviewing Kobe Bryant late into his career. And he goes, he asked him this question, how do you keep your level of play at such a high level this late into your career? Kobe Bryant said simply this, I didn't get bored with the basics. I didn't get bored with the basics. You want to be fully committed in your purpose as a youth pastor? You want to find out your why? Don't get bored, in the ba- don't get bored with the basics. Come every day. It's super simple. Come every day and just empty your cup out. Say, what do you have for me today, God? What you got for me? How can I impact students' lives today? I'm exhausted, God. We just had a lock-in. Why do those exist? <laughs> yeah. I can't find, I don't even know what my wife's name is. Do I have kids today? I don't know if I have kids. Where am I? Whatever it is, just come and just empty your cup out. Just say, hey, what I knew about, what I knew about you yesterday makes no difference. I want to, I want to know something new about you today. Empty your cup out and show up. Stop showing off. All right, that's all I got. Open up for questions that I can't answer. <laughs> Anybody got anything? It's an easy group. Nothing? Yeah. Yeah, I would say, basically what I told you today, I need to find out what my why is. I try to figure everything else out besides the why. Because everything else didn't take um, work necessarily. Um, You just carbon copy and paste what other people are doing. Um, 
I needed to figure out what my why was. And it took me many years to figure out why I did what I did. You know, I needed to figure that out. Why do I love students so much? I couldn't really articulate it uh, when I was younger. I just knew that I resonated with them, maybe because I was, you know, young and silly too. I don't know. I don't know what it was. But, uh, yeah, starting out, I, I need to figure out what my why was. Like, why do I do what I do? And take the time to investigate that and pray about it. I didn't do that. I saw a job opportunity, and I took it. So, yeah. Anybody else? <laughs> yes, Aaron. All right. So you've talked through um, you talked through some, some awesome things. I got a ton of notes, man. I, I appreciate that. Uh, with your with your your time, and you you shared very recently one of the most difficult things you've ever experienced. In yeah. The sure. You know, and um, I know in your time and my time included, we we have seen. I'm sure others here have seen people walk into something. And walk out, but not, not the same in, the, in in a positive way. And so, with the struggles that you have experienced in ministry, and uh, the the ups and downs, and and all of that, what what have been your best practices or your basics, as you've said, that have helped you to stick with ministry for this period of time? Mm, that's a great question. Um, can you repeat it? <laughs> No, I did, I'm. <laughs> Thank you. I use many word with few words. Talk like a fifth grader, <laughs> five-year-old. <laughs> um, man, that that's a that's a really really good question. Um, so you're basically asking, um, how do I um, stay planted where I'm at? Is that kind of what you're asking? Yeah. Um, in the midst of hardships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're, you're basically you're saying, you know, hey, we're going to do life with these students. Mm-hmm. And dude, student ministry life is messy. Yeah. Like it's, sometimes it's gross and disgusting and, and you're, you're, you've attached this kid to you and you operate in ministry in a similar way that I do. We, we bring them into our home and, hey, here we are, yeah. we're doing life. And then they make a choice that breaks your heart. Yeah. And, and then, oh, okay, you bring in another kid and they make a choice. It shatters your spirit. Yeah. Okay. Now I got to get up, and I got to I got to deliver God's word. And I know this is my calling. I know mm-hmm. this is what God's got me doing, and I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah. But my heart's broken. Yeah. My spirit is shattered. Yeah. You, how, you, how you getting up on Wednesday night? Sure. You have to come in with uh, with ex- um, reality expectations of the situation. Um, you know that people are messy. You know life is messy, and and you're no better. And so. You have to get up and know that the expectation of someone letting you down is going to happen. And, and you have to be okay with that. That all the time that you poured into them, it may not register. And it may not register for years after. I know I have, um, I have students now that come back to me and, and have said, hey, I know I was, I was a pill. Not quite their words, but I was a pill to to deal with in youth. But what you did, um, and what you what Mary did, and, and girls come up to her all the time. The same thing. It speaks levels now later on. So you know that you're planting those seeds, and you just have to be okay with letting go. So um, it's it's almost like this mental shift of yeah, these these kids mean everything to me, and. Um, 
but they do make their own decisions, just like my own kids. Like, my own kids mean everything to me, but eventually they're going to make their own decisions and, and do something that I'm not pleased with or, or whatever else, but I have to be okay that, that they're going to do that because I know that this thing is more powerful than my words, that this thing in my prayers can change things. And so I don't know if that really answered it that much um, per se, but it, it, it's a mental shift for me where you, you just have to, you have to go in with those uh, expectations of reality. Yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's good to, to speak to that, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Sure, 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 sure. Any other questions? Ladies, if you have any questions for Mary, she's, she's, been in the, she's seriously been at this side-by-side uh, uh, side with me and every step of the way. So I know, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think this is, you know, a great question. I think sometimes being a youth pastor's wife, youth pastor's wife, is all the time. I think, and I'm speaking from my own personal experience, right? It's like everyone can love your husband because it's like the super awkward person. It's like, hey, it's you know, Pastor So. It's like, hey, who are you? It's like, I'm just his wife and the care, you know, the <laughs> mother of his children. That's all. Don't worry about Yeah. How, how how do you like walk? And not, not that I was always like that. I don't want to say, it, but like how how do you manage being a youth pastor's wife when you can't be at a lock-in or you can't be at all the ministry stuff? Because mm-hmm. like yeah, like I have to be home and take care of the kids, or I have to work another job. You know all those kind of things. Uh, how how do you walk that out in a season? Or some tips or things that you could give for you know guys and girls alike here, right? Sure. Yeah, I mean, and honestly beginning, you know, our first few years, that was a major um, um, heartache, maybe, for me, because I, I, di- I couldn't be there, especially when we had our twins and, um, you know, starting our family, and I was working full-time, I, I, I couldn't divide my time the way I wanted, and so a lot of times I felt like I was falling short, but, um, you know, through that time of being home with the kids, I'm like, Lord, what is my purpose? Lord, I can't do what I want to do. I can't do the lock-ins like I used to. You know, I, I felt like I was letting God down, and, and God totally quickened my, my spirit. And it's like, your role is to support Stu, and I can be home changing diapers and praying for him as he's up there speaking, as he's there ministering. Those kids, you know, I can still pick up the phone and make a phone call to a girl in need just because I can't be there physically. I can still be there and pray for them and that sort of thing. Um, that was a big shift for me of I still have a purpose. I can, you know, I can still call up and make, catering reservations for an event that Stu's doing. I can, you know, I can do this behind the scenes things. I made many of turkeys for Thanksgiving for our Pulse Thanksgiving meal. I could do that from home. Like there were still things that I could do that was still impactful and still making a difference. Um, but I think, you know, I, I just had to come to terms with that and had to realize like that's still important stuff. Just because I couldn't be on the front line of Stu, that's still important and needed. And youth pastors, you have to understand, if you're married and if you're, if you're married with kids, as soon as you get married and if you're a youth pastor or taking over that role, be super deliberate in this because I'm not the youth pastor. We're the youth pastors. It didn't say, I never said like, um, I, I never want to refer myself as the youth pastor. Always turn those eyes into we's. Like, hey, we will have to... Um, I'll get together with my wife and we'll discuss this. Um, pull her in or pull him in, however the dynamic works. Like, make sure that if you're a team, that you are a team. Like, it's not just 
oh, the youth pastor and his wife. Like the new youth pastor is coming in. It's not just Jamin, Pastor Jamin, which you guys will get to know. He's a great guy. But it's, it's Jamin and Bethany, right? It's, it's a we. It's, those two are coming in. So make sure you do that. And, and she has been instrumental in, uh, in, in Pulse and more than uh, I'm aware of, I'm sure, and, um, and, and the students as well. But Anything else? Sorry, I didn't give you like step-by-step practicality stuff. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> What's your catch me after class, Aaron? <laughs> I done messed up. Um, I would love to hear your favorite student ministry story. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh man, I don't know where to begin. Um, and I truly don't. I have about five stories running through my head right now. Um, all of them have to do with trips. Um, I can tell you what I do now, how I operate now in youth ministry, I couldn't operate in today's youth ministry. Uh, just like with, from a legal standpoint. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, some of the stuff that we got away with, it, it wouldn't fly now. Um, it wouldn't fly. And I don't mean anything like gross or dirty about that. Like, but I just mean like, yeah, I, I can't go into that. Um, okay, so off topic, Rob. Um, man, I would say every time, th- th- this would be, this is, this is always a good memory. Probably not my favorite. I don't know what my favorite would be, but I'll give you a story. Um, our church, church van was a ridiculous church van. Like, it was bad. I mean, it was like, it looked bad. And so we were excited to take this thing on trips with us to like Orlando and like Houston and stuff like that. And we're like, we can't do that. Our very first trip um, that we took with our van, we broke down in um, London, Kentucky. So we didn't make it very far. Uh, it was like an hour and a half down the road. And then we, then we, uh, then we broke down and spent the night. And then we we're late for uh, fine arts down in Orlando. Um, but from then on, every trip that we went to on fine arts trip, our van broke down. And we rented. We rented vans. And there was one time where we rented brand new vans. And we and there was this one time we're in Atlanta and we're driving along and we're like, guys, we made it to Atlanta. Like this is a incre- this is impressive. Yeah. We're doing good. Yeah. <laughs> Broke down. Done. Done skis. So we got in the middle of Atlanta. We pulled off to the side, busy road. The guy came, the AAA guy came, and he said, this is way too busy. You have 15 kids in a 12-passenger van. We'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> but we, we, I can't get you across the highway because we're on the left side. And so, and so he's like, you're just going to have to ride in the van. So we rode on top of the truck with all these kids in the van. This is what I'm talking about. Like, I can't, like what I do now, legally, I can't get away with... <laughs> Like, some parents would find out about that and not be cool about it. Uh, but, yeah, so that was – but every time, I don't know why, we would always, always do that. And then retreats are always a great, great memory for us. Taking – if you guys don't do retreats, do them. Um, our place actually uh, went belly up where we went to go do retreats, and so we're like, we can't we, – we have to still do retreats. So we did them at our, at our church, and we just made it different. Do them. Whatever you have to do, do retreats because getting them out of the normal routine um, and putting them in a different environment with people that they don't rub shoulders with for a, a couple nights even, oh, 
things can happen and relationships can happen and it's really 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 beneficial for you guys so but yeah vans not gonna miss those <laughs> going down council now i'm gonna fly down <laughs> i'll meet the youth down there <laughs> but yeah all right i don't know if we have we have like two minutes left anybody uh have another question cool well thanks for uh Thanks for joining our, my group or our group. Appreciate it. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of this energy. It's good stuff.